we are glad that you're here. Just want to talk to you this morning and, and talking about things, things that we don't say. Just, just stuff that, that consciously, when, when you hear it, it sounds so ridiculous. You just say, well, nobody ever says that. But, but sometimes the things that we say that we don't say, sometimes we end up doing those things. And I want to talk to you about one of those this morning. And so as we think about that, this, this, is, this is what we're talking about this morning, the thing that nobody says. And this is especially, especially pertaining to people who are believers in Jesus, but it's not limited to them, but especially pertaining to people who are believers. There's nobody who is a believer would say, you know what, I think I want to live like I don't know Jesus. You know, that's my goal in life. As a believer, I just want to live a life in such a way as that nobody would ever even know that I was a follower. Or my life would look such a way that nobody would ever suspect that I believed in Jesus. Now, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? Of course, we, we say we don't say that. And the whole concept for a Christian, right, is to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to, to live like Him, to look in the Scriptures and see what, uh, what Jesus did and what He said and how He lived and for us to try to, to uh, be like Him and live the way He wants us to. Uh, recently, we had a baptism out at our office. If you missed it, you, you're a loser. <laughs> if, you, if you missed it, you missed, you missed it. It was awesome. And I just want to go ahead and put another plug in. The next time you hear us say we're having a baptism, you need to make sure that you show up for that because it was awesome. But we just baptized several uh, people a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, it would be crazy for all of them. Uh, a lot of times what we do is we have them in the water. We'll ask them a couple of questions like, do you know that you believe in Jesus and you trust Him uh, uh, as your Lord and Savior? And is it your desire to live for him the rest of your life. Now, wouldn't it be ridiculous if they said, well, no, I really don't want to live for him the rest of my life. You know, I just, I just think I'd like to be baptized. That, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? We see people who are baptized. That is a symbol that their life has been changed, that they are, they are um, a, a public declaration that as they go in the water, it's they're, they're buried to their old way of life. They're raised to a new way of life in Christ. And so obviously it makes sense that when a person is baptized and they do that in such a public way, they're making a statement that says, hey, I'm not ashamed of Jesus and I'm going to try to live for him. So it would be crazy for them to say they didn't want to live like Jesus lived. And even, listen, even if you, this morning, you may not even believe in Jesus. You, you, may, you, probably, you might just be checking this whole thing out still and you know some people who say they're believers, and yeah, you're not sure you believe all this stuff, and maybe you're coming and you're just still trying to figure it out. I would venture to say, even if you don't believe in Jesus, now, you may not consciously wake up every day and say, hey, I think I'll live for Jesus. Obviously, if you really don't think you believe it, that's probably not your goal. But you probably also don't wake up and say, you know what, today, I think I'll do the best that I can to live against Jesus. I mean, you probably don't say that either. So even if you're not a believer you probably even have that concept, whether you said it or not. You don't say, hey, I want to try and not live for Jesus. Now, you may be living for self or whatever, but you don't consciously probably say that. So we kind of have that in common. And so, but, but sometimes in our lives, what we say and what we do are different, right? Sometimes we say things, we say we want things to be a certain way, we say we want to live a certain way, certain things we want to have in place in our lives, but then 
as our life pans out in the things that we do and the way that we live, sometimes those things don't exactly match up. And I think that really does happen with all of us uh, at different times. So, uh, you know, nobody really says, I want to act like I don't know Jesus or I want to live like I, that I don't know Jesus. But it happens. Have you ever known anybody like that? Have you ever known anybody who, who proclaims to be a believer in Jesus when you hear them talk, but then you've seen some things in, your, in their life and you thought, hmm, I'm not sure that matches up? You probably have. Uh, here's even a better one. Have you ever done it? There have been things in your life where you said and you, you proclaim to be a believer and there are principles and things that you say you go by, but, but there are times when, whoops, that just, uh, I, I didn't mean to do, why did I do that? Why, I say I believe in Jesus, but why did I say that? Why did I act that way? Uh, I think it, it does happen from time to time. And it not only happens with us, but it happened with real people who are living in Jesus' day or walking with him, learning from him, being around him, seeing all the things that he did. They were still people just like you and me. And one of those people is a guy by the name of Peter. And you, if you're familiar at all with anything in the Bible, you, may, you think of Peter, you think of him being a, a go-getter. He may be real stubborn, he's real boisterous and just kind of on fire and he just says what he thinks and he's just he's just a type a personality kind of a guy you know he's go he's going to go for it and peter's one of those guys so i want to look at a, at um, a story of peter's life it's recorded in the book of matthew if you got your bibles that's the second part of the bible we call that the new testament if you're not familiar it's that it's the first book it's the first book of the gospels matthew mark luke and john matthew's the first book and you can find that and turn to chapter 26. And I'm going to read verses 69 through 75. Now, now this, this, is, this is on the heels of some things happening already. You can go back and read the rest of this. But uh, there have been a lot of things happening. And Jesus in his ministry and different things that are going on. It's coming toward the end of what what's going to be his uh, eventual uh, trip to the cross and all the things that he said that he was going to do. And uh, Peter was one of the guys who just hung out with Jesus a lot and followed him and, and was one of the ones spreading the word about Jesus and was just real tight, real tight with Jesus. And here is what happens in his life. And in just a little bit, I'll go back and, sh- and, and let you see the rest of it. I want you to see, see what happens with, with Peter. Verse 69, it says, uh, now, Jesus had, been, Jesus had been arrested, and they're taking him in to, to talk to him about what's going on, and, and he's pretty much in trouble with all the, the high, high dogs there and all the people. And so uh, Peter has kind of followed at a distance, and he's kind of out in this courtyard while they're interrogating Jesus, and this is what happens to him. It says, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them, for your accent gives you away. 
And then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed, and then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now this is a guy who was close with Jesus, who was protective of Jesus, who was on, we would say in our day with people who believe, man, he's on fire for Jesus, you know, he's really living for Jesus and doing, and this is the story, this is what happens in his life. Now, there's something, you know, as I read the scriptures, I always, to me, there's always humor there. It's just, things are just always funny to me, uh, of the way that things happen and the things that people say. And I don't know, when they talk about his accent, I don't know what kind of accent he had. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't have an accent, so I can't, I can't identify with people who have accents, so I don't know what kind of accent that Peter had. I, I don't, I'm not sure what he, even what he looked like or anything. But since reality TV has come out, it just gives me a whole lot of stuff to think about. And so I just imagine Peter being Uncle Si. And him saying, hey, I don't know the man, Jack. <laughs> you know? Now, next time you read that, you, just, you can just see, you can have a little fun when you read the Scripture. Can you, can you see that? But that's kind of the way that Peter, Peter was. He was real straightforward. He was real boisterous. He was, you know, he was just kind of an in-your-face kind of, kind of a guy. But, but here's a guy who, who was following Jesus, who was very close to Jesus, and then... When push comes to shove, in the heat of the moment, when you would think of all the times it would have been appropriate to stand up, because Jesus is now being interrogated, they're going to, uh, they're wanting to kill Jesus. Somebody recognizes him. You think of all the times to stand up for Jesus. This was been it. Would have been it. But this is the time that that he disowned him. Peter, of all people, dissed. Owned Jesus. Now we have a modern day word for that, and we call that hypocrite. Say that with me, hypocrite. Right? We say that a lot. You may have said that again. Uh, if if, uh, if you're here this morning, and uh, you know maybe somebody kind of drug you here, or you were you were a little reluctant to come here, that may that word and that whole concept may be one of the reasons that that you don't come to church very much, if ever. Because you say, and I've heard people say, I'm not going to that church, there's just a bunch of hypocrites there. And you know what? They're right. <laughs> They're right. Now, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your right hand. You can do your left hand if you don't want it to be really official, but the right hand, for some reason, you know, is the thing to do. And you can just repeat after me and say, I am a hypocrite. <laughs> okay? <laughs> now, take a breath. Don't you feel better? You've admitted it. You are a hypocrite. Listen, we are all hypocrites if you want to really get down to the nitty-gritty of it because basically that whole concept is a hypocrite is somebody who says something but then the way they act goes against what they said. Have you ever done something that has gone against what you say you believe? Raise your hand. That's why you are a hypocrite, all right? So if you've got an excuse as a person who said, I ain't going to that church, there's just a bunch of hypocrites. Listen, there are a bunch of hypocrites. The only thing that happens when you don't show up is there's one less hypocrite here when you stay home. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
other thing is, you don't get to hear God's word and have fun, laugh, and realize that we're all just we're all just folks. Everybody's everybody's just regular people, right? But we we're all hypocrites at some time or another. Now we don't try to be. It's not a, it's not a goal that we set for ourselves, you know. And like like we're talking about, we don't say, "Hey, I think I'll live." against Jesus. You know, we don't say, hey, I think I'd like to grow up and be a hypocrite. I mean, you know, we just don't say that, right? But it does happen. And it's not just with church folk and people who say they believe in Jesus. See, people get all their feathers ruffled when somebody says they're a believer and they go to church and they talk about God and they read their Bible and all this kind of stuff and then they do something wrong that's immoral or whatever and then everybody will look at them and say, oh, that's just a hypocrite, blah, 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 which is not a good thing, but it, it happens. But you know what? There are hypocrites everywhere. There are hypocrites in the medical profession, right? Have you ever visited? I, have you ever, I don't smoke, but I, my family members, I know people smoke and I know people have said, They've gone to the doctor, and the doctor will tell them, you need to quit smoking. And then they walk out, and the doctor's over in the corner taking a smoke break. Now, that's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? But you don't say, well, I'll never see another doctor again. That's it. He's smoking. Yeah, he's a hypocrite. I'll never see another doctor. We don't do that. You know, there, there are hypocrites in the medical profession. People who, when we go to them for assistance, they're telling us all these stuff that all this stuff that we need to do, which is good stuff that we should do probably to be healthy and to eat right and everything. But there are people in the medical profession who are overweight. There are people in the medical profession who are unhealthy. There are people and uh, that that do psychiatry that probably go and visit a psychiatrist themselves from time. There, there's all kinds of things like that, right? There are people, you know, I hate to break your heart and, and your hopes and all this, but, you know, there are people in law enforcement that break the law, right? I mean, they're living a life that says I'm enforcing the law, but yet there are people in that area who will break the law. There are people in legal professions and things like that that are always doing the right thing to try to protect other people, but yet on the side you'll see the headlines from time to time that, that they're involved in things that are wrong and illegal. That's hypocritical. See, it doesn't just happen with people who say they are believers in Jesus. The idea of somebody being a hypocrite, that goes across the board. Business people are hypocrites or can be hypocrites. You know, they, they talk to everybody else about this is how you should run your business and these are things you can do and you should never do this and you always should do this and then you look at their business and they're doing things that they've told everybody else that you shouldn't do. And it happens. It happens with all of us at times. Now, I'm not telling you that, that that's okay and that, that you can just say, oh, I'm glad that he said everybody's a hypocrite. I think I'll just keep living the way I'm living and everything will be great. But what I want you to know is, and this is what we're talking about this morning, is this idea is that nobody says, I think I will live like I don't know Jesus. But sometimes we do. Sometimes it happens. So I wish that it was a magic pill, or I'm, I could just give you just one. Okay, here's the answer. You've been waiting for it. Here's the answer. I'm just going to tell you, and this will solve all the problems. And the Bible does speak to some things, and there are some good things that I'm going to share with you. But here's, here's, a little, here's a little silly little statement that rhymes that might help you remember what we're talking about today, okay? You can write this in your notes. 
I'll have you repeat it with me so we can have some fun. This is how my little simple brain works, okay? This is the statement. To align your life with what you say, live that way today. Say that with me. To align your life with what you say, live that way today. Write that down. Put that in your memory bank when you're thinking about your life. Now, this can be, now, hopefully, you know, the more important thing is that, that we get this right in the area of our relationship with God. But this can be helpful for you and apply to you in your business, in your marriage. Fill in the blank of whatever area of your life, whatever you say, if you want your life to align up with that in that area, to align your life with what you say, live that way today. And here's why I say that. I think sometimes we can get overwhelmed. And if you think about a lifetime commitment, if you think about a forever, if you think about I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, we can make some statements that sound bold and strong and committed and all that kind of stuff. But as time gets along, that can kind of get overwhelming. And so the thought is that if we want to align our lives with what what we say, Let's live that way today. And then the next day you can get up and you can say to yourself, to align my life with what I say, I'm going to live that way today. When that day's over, you get up the next day and you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, to align my life with what I say, I'm going to live that way today. And I want to share some things with you in the Scripture and look it back. I want you to look back in Peter's life and help you understand this. So, so here is one of the things in talking about aligning our life with what we say. We live that way today. Realize that we are not invincible. Look back in chapter 26 of Matthew. Just go backwards a couple of verses and look in verse 31. And this is an encounter that Jesus had with Peter before the other stuff happened. And they had just celebrated, or uh, they had just had uh, the Lord's Supper together. This is when they were in the room together, and Jesus had all of his close disciples with him, and they were sharing this real intimate moment, and it was getting close to the time of Jesus' death, and, and it was just a really close, intimate time with them. And in verse 31, it says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written... I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter, same guy I just read to you back in verse 69. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Jesus responds back, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me not once, not twice, but three times. But Peter is still insistent because he knows more than Jesus does, right? Because that's the way we act sometimes, right? Peter's hard-headed, type A. He got this thing going on. You know, he's going to get something done here. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And, let's don't give Peter too much of a hard time, it says all the other disciples said the same thing. 
Now, this, these were the guys who were hanging around Jesus. They were close to him. They'd seen him do miracles. They'd seen him do all kinds of stuff. They'd heard his teaching. He'd pulled them aside, and he'd explain things to them. They were in the know. They were in the group. They were his close buds, you know. They were his peeps. They had it going on. They knew what was going on. And all of them, when they heard Jesus say, Hey, guys, I just want you to know, y'all are all going to turn your backs on me. I think it kind of offended them. Like, what do you mean I'm going to turn my back on you? You know, Peter basically saying, here again, you know, Uncle Simon says, hey, Jack, not me. Even if they all fall away, I ain't going to do it. Take a sip of his tea, right? Even, you know, Peter, it's not going to be me. And Jesus says, oh, yeah. And, and, and here's the, here, listen, listen to this. Listen to this overconfident. Listen, listen to this statement that Peter makes when he says, even if all fall away on account of you, I never, never will. That's a long time. Never is a long time. It's like as long as forever, I guess, on the opposite sense of the spectrum, right? Never. That means he's never. It means I'm always going to be with you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always going to be here with you, Jesus. Always. Even if everybody else in the whole entire known universe decides to fall away from you, I never will. And Jesus is so smart as he replies back to Peter and basically says, yeah, yeah, you know what, you're right. But guess what? Not never. It's happening tonight. It's happening today. You think that you're looking so far down the road and you're so confident that you think you've got it all together. You're making a statement that you have no idea what it even means. And you're being boisterous and, and you say, never. And Jesus says, I tell you, it's not never. It is today. It's tonight it's going to happen. And, and it's like, oh, no, you know, even if I have to die with you, you know, even if I have to die with you. And then, and then if you go back to where I started in verse 69 through those verses, and you, you remember what we read there, Peter says, even if I have to die with you. And then this, this little servant girl, this meek little servant girl, who's not even threatening physically or any way to Peter, comes up to him and all she says to him is, hey, aren't you one of them? And he, oh, no, I don't know who you're talking about. But just a, just a little bit ago, he's telling Jesus, hey, if I, I will die for you. And then he don't even want to say he even knows who Jesus is. Now, now that happens. Doesn't, and again, not to be hard on Peter, because it said, you know, the other disciples had the same idea. But we need to realize that we are not invincible. In order to align our lives with what we say, we live that way today. And by doing that, we realize that I'm not invincible. That it can happen to me. That I can mess up. And base that on the life of Peter. Now, now listen, I, I feel like that I, I know that I have a relationship with Jesus and I try to spend time with Jesus and I pray and I read the Bible and I'm conscious of trying to do things that I know are the right things to do. But I did not walk side by side with Jesus like Peter did. I did not ever physically see anybody be healed or anything done that Peter would have witnessed. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, if this guy couldn't hold it together, there is no way that I can say, I'll never do that. And I think we get judgmental sometimes. And we look at people and we see people who say they're believers and we see them do some stuff that are really is just plain stupid. 
and, and immoral things and illegal things and things that we know are not good for them and we, we really want the best for them, but sometimes we look at them and we make ignorant statements like Peter made and we say, well, I'd never do something like that. Well, you may not ever do that particular act, but you will be disobedient to Jesus. If you're a human, it's going to happen. And we need to realize that we're not invincible. Now, that's not an excuse just to let's, oh, let's just, just, let's just have at it and do whatever. But it's a reality check that strengthens us, that we don't become so overconfident that we slip up and let our lives become a mess because we haven't paid attention to who we are and what our capabilities are. We have good capabilities in Jesus Christ, and we have some horrible capabilities apart from Him. All of us do. You know, there's, a, there's that saying that, that a lot of you have probably heard, uh, you know, except for the grace of God, there go I. You see people who are in trouble, people who have messed up, and different things that have happened. I think that's the perspective. So to align our lives uh, with what we say, we live that way today. And one way of doing that is just realizing, hey, I'm not invincible. Things can happen to me. I can fall. I can get distracted. I can be tempted. I can give in to temptation. I don't have it all together. I need to remind myself of that, which reminds me more and more that I do need Jesus. The other thing that we can do is that we can act like um, we uh, acting like that. You know, Jesus is not based on on our own will. That's the second thing. Acting like Jesus is not based on our own will. You can go back and look at those verses again in verse thirty-one through thirty-five that we just read. And after Jesus tells them they're going to fall away. And in verse 33, Peter replies, even if all fall away on account of you, what's the next word? I never will. Verse 35, it goes down after Jesus says, no, it's going to happen tonight. Verse 35, Peter declared, even if who? I have to die with you. Next word. I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Here's the thing that we have to know. You have to grab a hold of this. Living for Jesus is not based on our own will. We can't do that on our own. It's, um, I mean, it's just not within us to to do that. The, The scope of how huge that is and how important that is cannot be just rested on us and us alone. It can't be just my will. I am not strong enough to make a statement like Peter made and said, I will never forsake you. We, I don't think we just don't have that within us. Now, here's the thing. I think Peter was sincere. I don't have any doubt that, he, that he, he, when he said what he said, he meant what he said. He was sincere about it. I'm never going to fall away. I don't care if everybody else does. I'm not going to. And even if I have to die with you, it's going to happen because I'm not going to turn my back on you, basically, Peter was saying. And I think that he was sincere as you or I have ever been or maybe even more sincere than we have ever been when we've made statements about our faith and how much we love Jesus and how much we want to follow Jesus and all that kind of stuff. But how many times have you promised God that you would not do something and then you turned around and you did something, (laughs) right? How many times have you had that conversation with God of saying, Oh, God, I'm, I'm sorry, that was wrong, I shouldn't have done that. 
I, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll never do that again, God. And then it comes up at some point or another, and there you are. We're right back, and we're back saying, I promise I'll never do it again, right? That happens from time to time with us. And to be able to realize, you know, that's not, I cannot, I, I am not strong enough to rely on my own self to stay committed to the life that Jesus wants me to live. I'll tell you that I believe this because I believe the Bible is true and applies to our lives totally, not just in this one religious area, but our lives are just, it's just all connected in our lives. And I believe that if, as a business person or, or whatever else that you're doing, when you make plans and, and you have ideas, it, it's not within you alone to be able to stick with those and carry those out. You need help. You need help. And in the business world, it might mean that you, that you need to consult with somebody or you need to get an opinion of somebody else or you need to read something to get some ideas. But if you think even as a business person that you've got it all together and you can do it all by yourself, you're mistaken. This principle and this concept is true in our lives in relationship with Jesus and it's just true in our lives. You cannot do it by yourself. You don't have it within you to do it by yourself. So that realize we're not invincible and realize that even... The will and the desire is not even there with me. Now, there's a scripture that I have um, that I, that I've shared with you before. I remind myself of this often because long-term goals, like I said a while ago, and this idea of forever and those kinds of things, those things can be overwhelming. They can they can uh, sometimes get in our brain so much that it paralyzes us. You know, if you have this idea. Uh, and you say, oh, my, I, I'm a believer in Jesus, and I'm going to live for him the rest of my life, and you start thinking about that, and you start thinking about, oh, gosh, look at all this stuff that I might face, and I don't know if I can do this, and, and I know what I've done in the past, and I'm not sure if I'm going to fail again. And you can, just, you can kind of just get paralyzed and not want to do anything. But, uh, and again, even if you're in a business or just in your life, in your marriage, you know, I'm making a commitment to this. We say things... <laughs> We say things when we get married that we don't even understand. And the, we repeat them. And everybody smiles and everybody's happy. And we say things like, for better and for worse, in sickness and in health, and, you know, and forever we're going to make this commitment to this person. And we're sincere and we mean this. And then you've been married for a while and, and that spouse is sick and they're in the bedroom and they're ringing that bell for you to come and bring them something else and you want to go in and strangle them. Because <laughs> it's been better, but this is worse. <laughs> and it's time for you to get better. Because <laughs> I'm getting worse. You know what I mean? You know, so there are things like that. And we make statements. And so if, you, if we think about them like, oh gosh, i got to do all this. But if we think about it as, this is what I want to happen in my life. And so if I will align my life to that. And, and don't get so caught up in thinking, I've got to do it forever. But... To say, all right, hey, if I've got 10 years of strategic planning in my life, I can't live out 10 years of that in one day, but I can live out one day of that in one day. And if I'm going to live forever for Jesus and be committed to Him, if I think about all the possibilities and opportunities there are for me to fail, it can be overwhelming. But if I can say today is the day, that I can live for Jesus. This day, I can align my life.
to what I say is important and to what I want to do. So Philippians 2 is, is the scripture. I, I've mentioned this often, and I, I just think it's a wonderful scripture to be reminded. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, it says, um, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'll come back to that in just a minute. For, here's the statement, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. I love that scripture. That says to me, I can't even come up, conjure up on my own a desire to serve God. If I have that, it's God who puts that there. It is God who works in us to will, that means to have a desire to do it, and to follow through with it and to actually do it. Man, that just puts me at ease. The pressure, in a lot of ways, is off of me. See, it's now, I can say, it's not all dependent on me because it's dependent on Him. And if I will let Him give me that desire, if I will let Him each day give me what I need to not only will, but to act according to His purposes, then, then things are in proper perspective. Then He's in control. Then I'm, I'm, I'm listening to Him and I, I want to do things the way he, he does. So here's the last thing. In order to line your life with what you say, live that way today, you, you realize that you're not invincible, you act... Uh, acting like you're, uh, you know Jesus is not based on your own will. Will, And then the last thing is this. Take it one day at a time. And I've been saying that from the beginning. Let's just take it one day at a time. Today. We talk about if you had one day to live, how would you live that and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you've got some goals in your life as a, as a believer, if, how would you like to live? How would you like for people to know you? How would you like for people to remember you? And again, I don't want to act like it's not important because the relationship with Jesus is the most important. But just to be helpful to you maybe this morning and realize that this is real for you. If, even if you're not a believer in your own life with relationships or in your business life or whatever, what is it that you would like to do and be known for and be able to accomplish? And if you just said today, that's the way that I'm going to function the way I'm running my business today. This day, that's the way I'm doing it. This day is the way that I'm going to live. This is the kind of person I want to be known for as a believer in Jesus. And so today, I'm going to live that way. Verse 12 of Philippians talks about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And to me, that is just a not even a, a day-to-day thing. That sometimes it's a minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour kind of thing. The Scripture says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed me, not only in my, in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue. It's not a one-time thing. This is done. This is it. Let me sit back. Kick back till Jesus comes. I've got this thing in the bag. This is a daily working it out, readjusting, changing realizing that, hey, I still have opportunities to mess up and I still probably will mess up. But let me tell you the hopeful thing of all this, all right? This is the life of Peter. Close to Jesus, following Jesus, reading the book book of Acts when he preaches and thousands of people are saved. Read First and Second Peter. 
books that he's attributed to putting in the Bible and talking to people. When, when he denied Jesus three times, it wasn't the end of his life. The skies didn't collapse. The world didn't come to an end. It wasn't the end of his ministry for the rest of his life. God didn't kick him aside as wasteful because he had messed up. This was a person who had messed up. And if you go back, you can look in the end of that verse 75 where it says when he denied him and after the rooster crowed, it said he wept bitterly. And he knew what he had done. He knew what had happened. And the most hopeful thing of all of that was he didn't let that put an end to how God could use him. And that day was over and a new day started. And I want to tell you this morning, I don't know where you are in your life. You may be right on track, and you have been for a while, and that's awesome. Keep going. Stay with it. Hopefully this has been helpful to you. But maybe you're like me. And there have been some times when you just messed up. You've just done some things that are wrong. And, you know, maybe you've never publicly... Go back and read that. Peter cussed. All right? He cussed. Started off nice. I don't know him. Then he swore an oath. I don't know him. Then it says he not only brought curses on himself, but he swore to the people. I, mean, I, think, I think, I don't know what word he used, but I think he just cussed at them. And maybe you've let some cuss words slip. All right? It's not the end of the world. Uh, maybe not the prettiest thing you've ever done. You know, not that attractive when that happens. It's not the end of the world. There is hope. Here's the life of somebody who blatantly told people, I do not know this person that you're talking about Jesus. Talking about disowning Jesus, that is as good as it gets. He said, I do not know him. God still used him to make a difference in the lives of other people. And I want to encourage you today to say, maybe you've messed up. You might be right in the middle of a big mess up right now. And I want to tell you not to make light of it, but ask God to forgive you and realize that when this day is over, this day is over, and tomorrow is a new day, and the Bible says that He makes His mercies new every day. And you can begin again in saying, okay, if I want to align my life with what I say, I'm going to live that way today. I want you to listen to this. I found this a while back. I've, I've, I've read it at different times for different things. But it comes from, from John Maxwell. And it's called Just For Today. He says, Just for today, I will choose and display the right attitudes. Just for today, I will determine and act on important priorities. Just for today, I will know and follow healthy guidelines. Just for today, I will communicate with, with and care for my family. Just for today... I will practice and develop good thinking just for today. I will make and keep proper commitments just for today. I will earn and properly manage finances just for today. I will deepen and live out my faith just for today. I will initiate and invest in solid relationships just for today. I will plan for and model generosity. Just for today, I will embrace and practice good values. And I added a couple that maybe I could put in here and say, just for today, I will live like I know Jesus. Just for today, I will align my life 
with what I say. And then he concludes, just for today, I will act on these decisions and practice these disciplines. And then, one day, I will see the compounding results of a day lived well. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you that you don't give up on us. As the the songs that we've sang this morning have reminded us of your faithfulness and how you're there for us and how much you care for us. God, I thank you that even with someone like Peter, you knew that he was going to disown you even when he thought he was strong enough to stand. You didn't turn your back on him. It happened like you said, but Peter's life continued, and it continued in a great way that did wonders for you and your kingdom, and you used him in mighty ways. And Lord, I pray today that we don't ever take our sin lightly. I pray, Lord, today that we don't ever view our disobedience as something that is just okay, but that we realize that it does happen. And when it happens, that we know that you love us and we can ask you for forgiveness, your mercies are new, and that day is over and a new day starts. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us, as we've talked about this morning, In order to align our lives with what we say, you help us to live that way each day. You can do that, and that's who we put our trust in. In Jesus' name, amen.